May, you ready? I'm ready. My dog has just been looking at me really cute, so I had to touch him. What's the dog's name? His name is Leo. Leo. Pretty good name for a dog. Well, dogs aside, how's your day going aside from answering the same questions over and over and over again? Actually, the questions have been different, so I'll say that it's been fun. Fantastic. Well, another season of this great show. How long was it from knowing it was coming back to telling the world it was coming back? Well, oh, uh, a while, like two years, I would say. Wow. Okay. So in your case, how far ahead did you know what was happening with your character? Is this an episode to episode kind of show or is this a sworn to secrecy long in advance kind of show? Um, I didn't know what would be going on with my character until I started, until like this year, at the beginning of the year when we were going to start filming. And I think that's just like part of the mastermind of Rami is he has like the ideas brewing in his head. Um, and he likes to share them when it's kind of solid in a way. And then from there, he's open to like thoughts. So it sounds like you have an accessible show creator. A lot of times that is not the case. A collaborative set, a welcoming star of the show. Very. There you go. When you first got the script for the first episode that you were going to be in, did you know, hey, this is going to be a Peabody award-winning, critically acclaimed kind of show? Or did you just know like, oh, it's pretty good? No, I, I think that for all of us, we've just been really excited to be able to tell a story like this and to work together that sort of all the other stuff doesn't even matter. We're having, the, the fun is not in the awards or the recognition, it's in being together and, and making it. But it's kind of like a victory lap or bonus round or dessert to get all those. Awards. Yeah, 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 of course. You know, no one is gonna be like, that was lame. It's, it's, it, it's always feels good when you're like, oh, we're recognized for something that we're really enjoying, how lucky. Does Leo get to go to the set? Leo hasn't been to the set because he just turned one and I'm in LA and I don't know how to travel with him yet. So mm. one. One year old. So what do you do for a dog birthday? Do you do anything? I'm going to get him dog ice cream. And apparently LA has a bakery for dogs, of course. So I might. Yeah. Well, uh, aside from this great show, you're in a, you've been uh, seen in a few shows that have Moon in the title. Uh, is Rami all the focus all the time or do you have anything else coming up that you're allowed to plug or talk about? Uh, as of now, there is nothing that's coming out. And um, I guess I'm there's stuff I'm working on. It's just in development, though, but nothing to talk about yet development or the variety.com embargo where you can't be the whistleblower that tells the world that it's happening or else no, no really really development development it's like there's there's as of now i don't know what's going to come out yeah well there you go and the last question i got before i let you go which has nothing to do with the new season of rami and how great it is it's what's the last concert that you went to for fun <gasps> last oh that's tough because it's like there was COVID. Um, okay. I remember a few concerts I went to. However, I went to my favorite concert. My favorite concert was in Dubai and it was Florence and the Machine. Um, and if there was going to be one that I always remember, 
and set the bar high. It's that one because the energy was incredible. Must have been a beautiful venue if it were in Dubai. It was outdoors and it was by the water. Um, so many people, so many lights, just, just magic. There you go. Well, I'm looking forward to what's to come from you, regardless of the state of development. And I'm hoping Leo gets to go to that set as well, whatever it is. In the near it's your concern. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks, Ray. Keep up the greatness there. Thanks so much. Outrocast. Hey, Darren. How are you, buddy? Lath, I'm good. But more importantly, are you good? I'm good, man. I'm good now. I'm good talking to you, too. Hey, the pleasure is all mine over here. You know, cutting straight into it, great character that you've got on the show. But how much of you is there in the character of the uncle? I mean, I think what I bring to me to from me to the characters the is just a sense of truth because, uh, and that's what I tell everyone. Uh, any any good acting has to come from the person's sense of truth. So you lend yourself to the character. So I lend my sense of truth to the character when I have all the adjustments to the character, the physical and all that stuff. And then I have the, the, the this great script, these words written for me. And then I bring my sense of truth to it. So I do, I do bring that to it. So that part of me isn't, do I, do I, um, does everything that comes out of his mouth is something that I believe in my belief? No, of course not. Right. You know? But is, does everything he say, is it, uh, does it spark a real conversation? What some people say, some people believe? Yes, absolutely, you know? So, um, yeah. When so, you landed, sorry to cut you off there. When you got the role, was yeah. everything outlined from this is how he dresses and this is how he speaks, or did it get tailored towards you and their awareness of you? I think, I think a lot of it, like, I remember, because I remember, like, when I went to the audition, I slicked my hair back, I, I, Happened, I was doing a play. I was doing a play and I had a big beard. So it just worked out fine. And I think I wore a ridiculous shirt. So I kind of had an idea of what this, what, what he would look like. And, and the accent I worked on, I worked on, I wanted to have a different combination of like, you know, the, the Egyptian accent has a rhythm. rhythm and mm -hmm. also he's Egyptian, he's Palestinian. And then the standard Middle Eastern has this like, other rhythm and I combined them together and made my own. And so it made them very unique. And that's, that's where it started. And it kept on growing. I mean, but like, it was a scary audition when I got the audition because my first line was like, you know, really like what they're going to say this on TV. You know, I was talking to you. I don't even want to remind you what the first line was, but it was just like, what yeah. I have to say this line about like, you know, but uh, yeah, it worked out, it worked out, it worked out. Worked out well, I think. Did you know that the show was this great when you auditioned for it? Or did you just have two or three pages to look at and that was that? No, I, well, I knew it was going to be really great for two reasons. First, I knew Rami from, from before and I knew he was working on something for a long time. Yeah. And, um, and normally I got to a point where, you know, I audition for stuff and I don't care, you know, and I don't get it. I don't get it. I auditioned for the father initially. I, I auditioned for his father. And I got close and I didn't get it. And I was so upset. I'm like, oh, my God, I'm never going to get an opportunity like this. This show is going to be so good. It's going to be so good. I'm never going to get that opportunity. And then and then, you know, this role that, you know, everything happened for a reason. And this came this came this fell on my lap and. The rest is history. So I had a feeling it was going to be uh, something different. You know, I used to, yeah. 
Yeah, it's great to see that you can do a role like this because you mentioned theater before. And back in the olden days, uh, 10 years or more ago, the if you were in theater, you were just doing theater. There was no way into TV or film. And now yeah. it's kind of interchangeable and good is good. Well, yeah, I mean, like right now you have to, I think if you want to do really good theater, do television because then you get like, I'm doing, a, I'm, I'm in rehearsals actually now for a play at Arsenobra, you know, and, and uh, so it's a great play. And um, I don't know if I would have had the same opportunity if I wasn't on Rami, to be honest with you, so. Arsenobra is that place in Midtown West Manhattan? Yeah, 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 they oh. have, you know, they've had a lot of plays on Broadway, they, yeah, you know, and uh, yeah, it's a, it's a play called Hound Dog, if you're ever in New York. You know, I am in New York, and now I know what I'm going to be doing. Check out Hound, Hound Dog, then look for me when you're done, when you see the show. It's really good. Just Google well, Thank Hound you, Leif. Thank you. Great work on this season, and looking forward to everything that's coming from you, whether it's TV or theater. Just be proud, you know? I really appreciate you, man. Thank you so much. I love your background, man. Look at that, man. Look at the, all those like pictures. It. The wife lets you put up the 8x11s on the wall, so you do it. And I guess yours <laughs> to go under dice clay. That'll that'll come next. But uh, I'll, I'll, I'll have it ready for you, man. Thank you. All right, brother. Take care, Outro cast. Hey, John. How's it going there? Good. Can you hear me and see me? I can hear you. I can see you. Aside from having to talk to me, how is that day of yours going? <laughs> it's going pretty good. I've been looking forward to talking to you, man. Well, the pleasure is all mine over here. And let's first talk about the work you're doing with the Travis Mills Foundation. How did that connect happen? Who reached out to who? And how long has that been in the works for that you're part of this great big benefit concert? Well, it's a good story. So uh, a friend of mine named Dan Ball, who uh, is on OAN uh, Network, he's one of their anchors there. Dan and I have been friends for seven or eight years now, met him at a big and rich concert out in California. And uh, he's a, a veteran and mm -hmm. uh, we hit off and, and just became friends. And uh, about a year and a half ago, two years ago, Dan hit me up and he said, hey, what do you know about Travis Mills and the Travis Mills Foundation? At that point, I didn't know a lot about it. So I went and read about it and I called Dan and I said, this is one of the greatest American stories I've ever heard of what's going on. And Dan says they're having a big uh, fundraiser for his foundation in Cleveland. This was last year. Mm -hmm. you want to go? I said, yeah, man, I'll go. So I showed up, I played uh, for about 60 minutes, played a bunch of, bunch of hit songs, a bunch of uh, patriotic songs and got to meet Travis uh, in person and was just so blown away by this guy. They asked me would I want to do it again. And I said, absolutely. So this would be my second year in a row to come up there and play for this, uh, this great cause. You mentioned great hit songs, concert. Do you think you'll be playing progress at this upcoming concert? I think there's a real good chance I'll be playing Progress at least once. Uh, I played it recently at a show and I had to play it a second time at the end of the show. People liked it so much. I think that song, uh, man, it, it, it really hits a nail on the head in a big way. And uh, that song was actually the most downloaded song in all of America for 12 days in a row. It was incredible how people responded to that. So yeah, I'll be singing that. I'll, I'll hit you with Save a Horse, Ride a Cowboy. We'll do 8th of November, you know, a bunch of your favorite songs, but in the mix of all that, you're going to have some incredible speakers as well. Travis is going to come out and speak. You know, when you when you think about the word sacrifice, mm -hmm. Travis Mills, he is the personification of the word sacrifice. I mean, here's a guy who literally left arms and legs overseas on behalf of all the rest of us. And when you get to meet a guy like that and then see 
how positive this guy remains and the, the great work that he's doing. It is a humbling experience to be in the room with him. I can only imagine, but Thank you for doing that and your ongoing, you know, devotion towards spotlighting causes that you believe in. But but talking about progress for a second, when you have a hit song that's catchy and has a chorus that people remember, there's two schools of thought. One is that the song took four minutes to write. And the other is I worked at this for months and months and it was buried in the back of my head. Which one is it with progress? It came pretty fast. So I was at a Home Depot here in Nashville uh, buying two by fours, plywood, and quick creep. Me and my brother were working on a little deck out, out of this little farmhouse. And I was in there looking at, at these two by fours. And normally I wouldn't even look at the price of a two by four, but I'd heard it, how expensive they had gotten. So I'm wondering, I wonder how, how much this is now. And I looked at the price tag. I went, You've got to be kidding me. And then I went and looked at plywood. And then I looked at the quick creep. I said, Well, that's progress for you. You know, that's progress. And then I, I get, walk out to my truck and I look at the gas station next door and I see the gas prices. I went, well, there's some more progress right there. And um, I thought, you know, if that's their version of progress, they can stick it where the sun don't shine. I don't want any part of that if that's progress to them. That's not my version of progress. So I wrote the little chorus on my iPhone sitting in the truck in the Home Depot parking lot. It just hit me, stick your progress where the sun don't shine. I got out my iPhone, I sang it into my voice notes. I called up two of the best songwriters in Nashville, Jeffrey Steele and Vicki McGeehee, who are both songwriters of the year at BMI multiple times, are huge. Jeff's right. in the Hall of Fame, actually, at this point. And I sang them the chorus. They said, let's get together immediately. we got to write this right now. So a couple of days later, we wrote it. I recorded it, put it out in July. And uh, man, the rest is history. It has become quite a phenomenon of a song. Usually that's not what you hear about when you have a song that has three writers and the singer is one of the three writers. Usually that means, not in your case, well, the three people were in a room together. Uh, the person who sung it changed chair to there and they went, okay, you have a third of the song. But in this right. case, it started with you, an actual hands-on experience, and then the other people added a little polish to it. Well, I've written a lot of songs. I've written over 2000 songs right. in my career. I mean, I've, I've written songs for all kinds of other people, um, yeah. for myself, Big and Rich, you name it. There's a million different reasons why I've written songs. But this one in particular, you know, I had that chorus and I knew they would respond to it. And they did. And I said, I said, I need all the brain power you got because every line in this song has to hit like a hammer. No wasted words whatsoever. And there is not a wasted syllable in that song. You know, it, it says... Um, they invite the whole world to come live in our land and leave our countrymen dying in Afghanistan. And, you know, when you think about Travis Mills, there's a guy who was in Afghanistan. And you think about the sacrifice that they put out over there only to see that debacle uh, of, of a withdrawal out of Afghanistan. That, that's a really tough thing for veterans to look at that fought over there. So this thing we're doing on the 12th, November 12th, this is a chance for people I would view it like this, to be a part of something bigger than yourself, to come be entertained, come be inspired, but know that you're, you're giving to a guy who's hands-on with all these vets. I mean, can you think of a better person to help out struggling veterans than a guy who lost his arms and legs in Afghanistan? I can't. That's got to be the absolute best person to be over those dollars that get raised. 
Absolutely agreed. And if we could talk a little bit more of your success as a songwriter in writing over 2000 songs and hundreds of them have been cuts on major label albums. These days, how much are you writing? Because writing is not a necessity like it was in your early days. Now it's a, I feel inspired. I'm going to write a song. I would have to assume. I think you pegged it. You, you must be, you must be crawling in my brain a little bit because that's exactly how it is. Yeah, early on, you know, when you when you don't have your own hit songs and you don't have, you can't go out and tour and there's really no money coming in. Songwriting, that that's it, you know. So you're sitting down every single day, writing, 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 hoping somebody will record one of your songs. But these years down the road, we've we've had some good success. And now when I write a song, it's there's a point behind it. Now when I'm writing one, uh, I wrote another one called Earth to God. You should go on YouTube and look up Earth to God, John Rich. That's one I wrote all by myself back in 2020. And honestly, that's one of my favorite songs I think I've ever written. And again, not, not some giant hit song at radio, but just an important song. Songwriting is it's powerful because if you write something down on that blank page, mm -hmm. and you, you put it out there, you never know when millions of people might latch onto that and, and adopt it and go, yes, that, that's exactly what I've been feeling, what I wanted to say if I could have said it like that. And songs can become a voice for a lot of people. I think you're being a little modest there because if the Wikipedia gods are correct, it says that Earth to God was top 40 country radio. And hey, that's pretty big. Yeah, it, it cracked in there for a minute. It yeah. did. Uh, you know, I didn't write it uh, for it to be a hit song. I wrote it because it needed to be said. Earth to God, come in, God. It was basically uh, thinking of Earth behind a CB radio hailing God on an SOS. You know, we need you to, we need you right now. And uh, that, that song, it struck a strong nerve with a lot of people. So I was curious if you could help disprove a theory of mine. So far, only one country artist has, has ever disagreed with this statement. And that's pretty much every hit songwriter from the 90s and 2000s within the country world grew up on hair metal and stadium rock. So it was Van Halen and Boston were the two big bands. Are you going to disprove that or you're on that page? No, nope, that's not me. So I would disagree with that. Yeah. So my dad, there you go. I'll be the second guy. My dad's a preacher. He, he's preached in prisons since he was 19. He just turned 70. He's still going to prisons and preaching. So I grew up listening to a lot of, uh, a lot of gospel, Southern gospel, bluegrass. Now my dad was a big Johnny Cash, Johnny Horton, Roger Miller, Tennessee Ernie Ford guy. And so I grew up hearing those records all the time. And my dad would sing those songs at, you know, at family events and stuff. So I grew up a lot of country, a lot of gospel and bluegrass. When I got to be a teenager, though, I will say that one, two bands that really rock bands that I still today are my favorite, favorite bands, Aerosmith and ACDC, those two bands, they hit so hard. If you think about uh, Save a Horse, Ride a Cowboy, I always describe that to people as ACDC with a fiddle and a banjo. I mean, yeah, da 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 da. I mean, you can you can imagine those guys singing that. So, Big and Rich is really a mashup of a lot of those things. But uh, at my roots, I'm I'm straight ahead country. But to prove my point here, Mutt Lang did the ACDC albums that we care about, and then Mutt Lang did the Shania Twain albums that yeah. changed country music. So it does, in a way, all come back to <laughs> the classic yeah. rock people. But uh, back to you here. This great concert on November twelfth. 
that is what we've been talking about. But is there anything else coming up that you'd like to hit on that you're promoting, that you're pushing, that we should keep an eye out for? You know, I've got a brand out there called Redneck Riviera. And it's, it's, we built a giant honky tonk down here in Nashville. It's actually now the number one most searched bar on social, uh, searched honky tonk in all of Nashville on social media, which is pretty cool. It's sitting at number one. Um, and then I've got a whiskey that's in 13,000 stores right now in the U.S. and growing. Uh, I give 10% of every single one of those bottles to the Folds of Honor, which I've got their T-shirt on right now. Sure. And, their uh, and we've sent over a million bucks back to them now. You know, I think our veterans, uh, our veterans in active duty, we've got to remember in this country that everything good that you have in your life and things that you may not even think about, you know, like grocery stores and uh, interstates and hospitals and regular stuff that we just think we take for granted. Go to a country that doesn't have the freedom that we have. They don't have those nice things. They don't have regular things that we take for granted every day. We have our military and our military members to thank for not the right to be happy, the right to pursue happiness. I have a high school diploma, barely. I grew up in a double wide trailer in Amarillo, Texas. That is the extent of my pedigree. There's nothing fancy going on with me. I've just always believed that if you think big, you work really, really, really hard, you have a chance at grabbing something pretty exceptional in this country. I think that's why there's lines coming in and no lines going out because every human being wants what America has. So as Americans, we have to appreciate it and we have to take the opportunity to support these people every chance we get. That's what we're gonna be doing November 12th with Travis Mills Foundation. To play devil's advocate, growing up in New York and still living in New York, a lot of the double wides are much nicer than the studio apartments that we live in in our early 20s. So. Oh yeah, you would do well to trade one of those uh, one of those little tiny little apartments for a nice spacious double wide. Yes, you would. Well, uh, down to the last two questions here before I let you go. Uh, first one, as a member of the Fox family, you know one of the big artists that they always accept, and you pop up at concerts and on television and all that. I'm curious, have you ever met Tyrus? I have met Tyrus. Tyrus is the biggest three people I've ever met. I mean, he's literally, take three big guys that you can think of right now, put them all together, that's Tyrus. This guy is a mountain, he's a wall. Um, and he's a very kind-hearted guy, thank mm -hmm. goodness. Thank goodness, he's a nice guy. But uh, he and I became friends the first day we shook hands and uh, we actually keep up with each other quite a bit. He lives in New Orleans. He has a little Redneck Riviera whiskey from time to time and I'll, I'll, I'll uh, chime in and support what he's doing. He's a great guy. And the last thing I got for you, because you brought up Redneck Riviera, we've seen success with musicians in the spirit world within the last 20-ish years. I think it all kind of started with Sammy Hagar and what he accomplished with Cabo Wabo. Where do you hope to take the Redneck Riviera brand? And by that, I mean, not just being in thousands of stores, but could there be other locations in other cities and states presented festivals, et cetera? Is that the long-term goal of it? Yeah, so I've actually been approached over the last three months multiple times by one of the biggest powerhouse um, companies in the world in entertainment about doing exactly that. You know, Redneck Riviera is a brand that it, the motto is work hard, play hard. You know, I service people that they don't believe America owes them anything, but it offers them everything. We support our vets, our active duty, our police. We celebrate hard work. Uh, it's, it's, it's blue collar. It's just like the way I grew up. It's month to month paycheck folks. 
that's who we service. And I think there's a, a real uh, yearning for a brand that celebrates those people, you know, the flyover state people. You think about flyover states and you think, oh, Kansas, Arkansas, Nebraska. No, flyover country to me is everywhere from the farms in New Jersey all the way out to right. Fresno, California. I mean, it, it's more of a mindset and it's, it's the hard work and backbreaking work that people do across this country to keep her going. That's the flyover people. And that's, that's who my brand speaks to. And that, that's who I love the most. Well, hope to see expansion here into New York. Hope to see you live in New York in the near future. And thanks for all the great positivity that you put out in the world through your volunteer work, your music, et cetera. I appreciate it, man. Thanks for, thanks for having me on. And go check out the, the Lorraine Palace Theater, though. And if you're, in, if you're in Cleveland area, come to the show. And if you're not, you can still make a donation. Every donation uh, for this event is going to be matched dollar for dollar up to $500,000. It's a really big deal. So uh, check it out and pass it around. God bless y'all. Will do. Have a wonderful rest of the day there, John. Take, uh, Thanks, take care. Thanks, sir. Hey, can you hear me okay there, Glenn? Yeah, I've got you, man. How are you? Fine, and you? Yeah, I'm good. I'm well, a little hard of voice, but I'm okay. We'll keep this short but sweet. Um, it, I appreciate you taking the time. You're in the middle of an acclaimed tour of the States. How long was this tour in the works for? Was this a rescheduled tour or these refreshed dates? Um, it is a rescheduled do uh, tour, obviously. We, we were about, um, I think we were about a week from coming just before COVID um, hit the pandemic. So, um, I mean, we'd got visas and everything and I think we were like five days off the flight and then they were like, oh no, nobody's going anywhere. So I'm glad so, it's happening. And when yeah. you came to the US in the 80s or 90s, the venue you're playing at this week in New York, Le Poisson Rouge, uh, had you ever been there? I think yeah. it was called the Village Gate. Um, I think I might have actually once, um, but I, did, I, I looked at pictures and I don't remember, but I thought I had. But um, <clears throat> I mean, it does look like, I know exactly where it is. And in fact, we went, I went and had a walk past it the other day when we, when we, were, when we arrived in New York. And um, <clears throat> yeah, I'm sure it's going to be a good gig. Sure. Well, this tour features the lineup of you, Martin, Flo, Kelly, and I believe uh, Rachel is the, the other great singer that you've got. It's a real... That's right. It's a great reinvention of the band. But what I'm curious is, is it the same set list when you play in the States as it is in England? It is, actually, yes. I mean, the last time... Um, Florence Sabiva is a kind of new addition because uh, the keyboard player that's played with us for about the last 11 years, uh, Berenice Scott, she was off on a world tour with Simple Minds. And because it was going to be okay, but because it got rescheduled, as indeed did their gigs, it, and it meant that she couldn't come, couldn't come to the stages. But Florence is doing an amazing job and has actually been playing with us um, in the UK now for, for, for about a year. So yeah, it's working out really, really well. Well, the reason I ask about the set list is sometimes bands from the UK, the singles were different than they were in the States. So for example, when I talked to members of OMD, here in the States, If You Leave was the big hit. And then there was right. just one of the hits in the UK. So when they play in the US, they might do If You Leave two or three times in the set. In your case, were the hits the same between the US and the UK? 
No, they weren't the same. Um, in fact, Temptation, for instance, has never been released in America. It was it was never a single, which is crazy because it was like well, the rest of the world, it was our biggest hit. But but over here, it was um, it was kind of Let Me Go and um, Sunset Now, Trouble, songs like that. Across by the wheels of industry, Come Live with Me was a hit. But so it, it is slightly different. Um, but we we are we have um, we did take note of that. And, right. and uh, purposely did it, yeah. Outrocast. <laughs>